0: faithwire.com it's feeling like 1984 again compliments of a new ministry of truth well they're not calling it that they're calling it something else but it's causing a lot of concern for good reason today is friday april 29th 2022 i'm dan andros we'll have that top story there and more on today's four and three podcast from cbn's faithwire subscribe on itunes don't miss an episode we'd love to have you with us we're going through the news of the day with a Christian perspective. Joining me as always, Trey Gons-Phillips, Billy Halliwell, with a quick look at what's coming up today, guys, on this Friday. Heading into the weekend. How are y'all doing?
1: You know, I like to call it the news
0: of the cray, because it just keeps getting <laughs> yeah. more and more news wild. News of the cray. Much more appropriate. Yeah. I like it.
2: Well, I mean, I think anybody... So anybody who's a fan of Stranger Things, we live in the upside down. The, that is reality these days yeah
0: yeah haven't watched Um, it but anywho
2: yeah so well i'm gonna be talking about uh, Ron DeSantis. he is not backing down uh with disney uh he is doubling down in fact in his condemnation of disney and talking about the reedy creek stuff and and all there's a lot to go through but we'll get through the details of that story Mm
1: -hmm. and we're also going to talk about this uh really i don't even know how to describe it this new show coming to discovery plus it's a teenage drag performer show uh, so we'll we'll talk about that. Man,
0: the society is, culture is really lost. They are so lost, and they're screaming out for help. Essentially, with this programming, it is disturbing. So uh, important, I think story though as well. So yeah. all right, let's uh, let's start here though on story number one here. Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, he testified earlier this week that the DHS is creating something called a disinformation governance board. They say it's to combat misinformation ahead of the 22, uh, 2022 midterms. A lot of people of course are saying, wait a minute, you're creating this disinformation board just ahead of an election. I see what's going on here. Uh, but it is disturbing. A lot of people made comparisons to 1984 and of course, George Orwell and and the ministry of truth that, um, was, was talked about in that uh, series. So they say the disinformation governance board, um, it's, it's going to be led, uh, for policy, Rob Silver's co-chair with principal deputy general counsel, Jennifer Gaskell, very official sounding titles guys for this disinformation governance board. Um, But Rep. Lauren Underwood, Democrat from Illinois, they are citing reports, this is the justification for it, on how minority communities are being targeted in misinformation campaigns. And they are asking the DHS, can you please address this? They're begging out for the government's help. And they say the goal is to bring resources together to address this threat. Now, the person tapped to head this thing up. Nina Jankowitz, she previously served as a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center. And yes, that it that is that Wilson, Woodrow Wilson. We'll have more on that in a minute. But Jankowitz, though, was immediately criticized on- online since um the revelation of for her kind of dismissing the Hunter Biden laptop story. So she's on. Record they're tweeting. Here's what she said at the time. She said back. This is on Twitter. She said back on the laptop from hell. Apparently Biden notes 50 former officials and five former CIA heads, blah, 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 who believe the laptop is a Russian influence op. Trump says Russia, Russia, Russia. So she said her response to that is she's like, well, I was just live tweeting what the candidates were saying at the time. Um, she also said at the time of this scandal, she said we should view it as a Trump campaign product. She also said when Elon Musk took over Twitter, she said, quote, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists, which is interesting, I guess it's a bad thing to be a free speech absolutist. She says, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what would it look like for the marginalized communities? I I don't know. They'd be more informed. They'd, they'd (laughs) They'd be exposed to more views. I don't know. But uh, Jen Saki was asked about this at the uh, press briefing this week, and she sort of dismissed it. Here's, here's uh, what she said in response.
1: Well, I don't have any comments on the laptop, but what I can tell you is that it sounds like the objective of the board is to prevent disinformation and misinformation from traveling around the country in a range of communities. I'm not sure who opposes that effort, um, and I don't know who this individual is, so I have no comment
2: on it specifically.
0: Ah, Who, who could possibly oppose disinformation, guys? Uh, I found that interest that answer quite interesting because that is sort of this tactic a lot of times from these progressive left wing activists, They push extreme things, and that, like we're gonna see in your discovery story, Billy, on the transgender stuff. it's it's framed with this language of just people being their authentic self and being true to oneself. you you shape it and make it sound positive. And of course people are going to have issues with a government information board. I mean the uh, the risk the the risks there are obvious. But um it, for her to play dumb on that is kind of it's kind of silly, but I guess she's got to do that for her job. So um but back on that Wilson Center guys, that wanted to marinate on that. It's it, I don't think it should be lost that the irony here and the implication of them appointing someone to lead this effort, this disinformation effort with someone from a place called the Wilson Center, which is named after Woodrow Wilson. And it was founded back in 1968. But Woodrow Wilson was a big time progressive in the height of the progressive era. He's known for ushering in a federal income tax back in 1913. It had only ever been tried during to fund um, the Civil War, and then it went away. He brought it back but he also created something called the Committee on Public Information that was led by George Creel, and it was essentially a propaganda arm for the government during ahead of World War I. And so he essentially pioneered propaganda in America, at least in relatively modern America. And I mean, within a week of Congress declaring war back on April 13th, 1917, he issued an executive order creating this federal agency, and they it basically put the government in the business of actively shaping press coverage. I mean, there was a huge neutrality sentiment in America in 1917. And so, and Wilson actually himself had promised that he wasn't going to bring the country into war because he had to campaign on that because of that neutrality sentiment. So, um, so then they declare war, they decide they have to go in. Well, now he's got this country that they're going to be drafting people and nobody really likes war. He said he wasn't going to do war, so he had to reshape this opinion and so they recruited all these people, thousands of people that they paid to just go out and talk. I mean, this is before, you know, radio and television broadcasts. So they actually paid people to go out into the public square. They, they had intellectuals, um, some journalists, but they would just go around and talk about they had these speeches and they would talk, up, bring it up at the movie theater or wherever people were gathering and talk about what, you know, we should be going to war and why we should be doing it. And so... They really worked to reshape this thing, and so uh, they also had a tactic. Guys, I found this one really interesting. They they would intentionally bog down the press with like dozens and dozens of press releases every day, and then they'd also restrict access to military officials. So the press it was making the press's job very difficult. They were having to go through all these press releases and weed through and find what was news and what wasn't, and then they weren't getting access to any of these speakers and so they did that because then they started providing and sneaking in government written um, columns about things and, and articles and so then these desperate editors were like ah, we need something and they'd start they'd start publishing these government written um you know editorials and articles on the war so so I say all that and I bring all that up guys to to talk about the fact that they're, they're hiring someone on it was disturbing enough to have this disinformation um essentially ministry of truth being created now in today's modern day and age where information can be so easily manipulated and spread but but they're from the Wilson Center which isn't it who was a president who pioneered the use of propaganda in America so a lot of disturbing stuff here guys um but and why does it matter obviously it matters because i it, it, i'm finding it hard i think a lot of people are finding it hard to trust anything that comes out these days. You know, um, there's just so much disinformation. There's so much spin. There's so many agendas at play. You just don't know. It's hard to know what to trust. So uh, I think knowing exactly who is behind the information you're seeing is a good start. And this is who's behind this latest um, creation of the government to spin information.
1: Well, and let's talk about the timing of this again. I mean, we're just months away from a midterm election, and the prevailing party in power right now is really expected to lose out (laughs) in that election. And so, you know, we don't know what's in people's hearts, but but a normal person looking at this with any sort of reasonable amount of intellect would say, Why are they choosing to do this right now, just months away from that? It is deeply problematic. If you were going to do something like this, and I think it's problematic for the government to do it, period, you would want to have a a group of people do this as a panel who represented both sides, right? Or all sides of the aisle to ensure that the information was actually being vetted, not through a partisan lens. I mean, there's no world in which with the information you just gave us, this is going to be a fair shake or a fair look. And let's talk about the fact gender, let's go down the line, and all of the things that are being fact-checked that are biologically true, that are theologically true, that we are being told are now lies and false. And so this is an insane, insane, slippery slope, and it's it's dangerous for sure.
2: Yeah. I, 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 is it possible that the government is just gaslighting all of us? <laughs> like they're, or, they're trying to trigger all of the conservatives? I, like, I don't know. Because they know that we have all compared big government to 1984. Right. So now it just seems like they're, they're just trying to. <laughs> right. Like but, they're
0: intentionally just trying to. It's Is this, this is one of those things where you're like, wait a minute. Are they trying to send us there? This? this is where they want us to go. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Well, no, I don't so, know. I, I just think
1: it's, it's George Snorwell, first of all. It's <laughs> not even like, it's, it's a counterfeit version of it because they have no self-awareness at this point. Yeah. So I don't right. know.
2: Well, I mean, like several years ago before, uh, I don't know, but it, se- it seems like the Democrats are increasingly, the left is increasingly uh, siding with these big corporations, particularly on sexuality and LGBT stuff. But like the, the party line many years ago was that the corporations are bad and, and, you know, whatever, because they were the big bully in the room. It's like, what do you think the government is? if you're going to create this ministry of truth, the government is going to become the big bully in the room, uh, which Democrats used to, at least on paper, be opposed to, to that centralized kind of power. But you know, maybe not now.
0: No, I know. And um, it is, it's just disturbing stuff. And uh, and again, I think we really have to now more than ever really use discernment in just the information we consume, including this information, you should always just be looking at the source, looking at their kind of their uh, their angle. What's their hook? What are they? Why do they want to do this? Um, yeah. It's just very easy to consume stuff as we skim through, and then just be left with an impression. And I really think it's imperative that we fight that urge and use a little more discernment because. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing this kind of boldness, Trey, like not just for gaslighting, but I think they just know they can get away with it. <laughs> they yeah. just know they can do this and just lean into the tribe and everything will be okay. So,
2: yeah. All right. Well, story number two, we'll leave the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. Uh, there'll be plenty more to talk <laughs> I'm about. Sure, it I'm evening. sure there will. Um, so for now, we're going to move on to Florida. So Governor Ron DeSantis is not shying away from his continued confrontation uh, with Disney during a Fox News town hall last night, uh, DeSantis, who's obviously widely believed to be a, a frontrunner for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024, uh, made clear his motivations for signing a bill into law that does away with the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is a special self-governing district that was established uh, in May of 1967, uh, granting Disney the ability to autonomously operate itself, essentially. Uh, So all of that, of course, uh, came, was at least partially motivated, if not fully motivated, uh, by Disney's uh, vociferous condemnation of the mischaracterized don't say gay bill the parental rights and uh, education bill we've talked about that a lot so but i think before we can get into this story and and the latest of what's going on uh, i think we should have some background about okay what is the reedy creek what was the reedy creek improvement act so it was approved on may 12th 1967 by then governor claude kirk who was actually florida's first republican governor since the reconstruction era Uh, And it established, uh, uh, like I said, a a multi-purpose autonomous district that allowed the Walt Disney Company to operate its huge campus uh, independently. It established its own city council. It provides for its own public services like a fire department, uh, waterway, all of that stuff. They have their own. Uh, It it regulates its own building codes and provides for its own financial needs actually by taxing the property owner, uh, which, of course, is Disney. Uh, so just a handful of Disney employees actually live on the property and they pay a small free fee to rent space from Disney. Uh, and it was established to streamline the late Walt Disney's plans to build a futuristic and fully operational uh, city on what was Swamplands that has since, of course, become uh, the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, I think an interesting piece of, of history to remember is that at the time that the district was passed in 1967, Florida was not this big tourist destination that it is today, uh, which is of course largely due to Disney. Uh, so the idea of, a, of this, this huge city uh, that was going to be you know, futuristic and really unique, it was going to be created and founded by one of America's most beloved figures at the time, which is Walt Disney. Uh, it was incredibly attractive to politicians there. Uh, because they wanted to show that a metropolitan city could be successful uh, at a time when cities around the country were pretty roiled in, in political and racial unrest in the 60s. Uh, those plans, though, never came to fruition. The city didn't uh, ever happen. It's now actually, that space is now Epcot. Um, but even though the city didn't come into fruition, the special district has remained now for 55 years uh, and they've coexisted with the rest of Central Florida for for decades. But Disney shined a, a not so flattering light on itself when it decided to go to bat against the Florida government uh, and the parental rights and education bill, uh, which just as a public school educators uh, can't teach kids in pre-K through third grade about sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, initially, Disney CEO, we've talked about this, uh, Bob Chapek, said that it would be counterproductive Um to condemn the bill, but of course he since has, has completely reversed course, and Disney has been very, uh, very outspoken in their opposition. So that brings us to where we are now, uh, which is DeSantis, who was on Fox News, like I said last night, uh, and he said that the the district needs to be dissolved, uh, one, because he doesn't think that Disney should have this special status And at the same time, be actively warring with the government that gives them the special status. Uh, Andy said essentially that it shouldn't have existed to begin with because he thinks that Any corporation uh, should be treated like every other corporation. There shouldn't be one getting special treatment from the government, while others like Universal and SeaWorld, for example, uh, don't receive any special treatment. He said it just simply ends with them being treated the same as every other company in Florida. That was what he was saying about dissolving the district. They're going to follow the laws. They're not going to have their own government. They're going to pay their debts and pay their taxes. Uh, So this is what he said, too, about their condemnation of the parental rights bill. He said when the company has a very high up people talking about injecting pansexualism into programming for young kids, it's wrong. Walt Disney would not want that. And so get that get back to your mission. Do what you did. Great. Uh, That's why people love the company and you've lost your way. He said that maybe ending the uh, special district will be a, quote, wake up call. That Disney needs to get back on track. Uh, so it's interesting to see that he's pretty open about the motivation behind getting rid of the district. It partially is because he doesn't think it should have been there to begin with, but it also is kind of a, a retaliatory move uh, against Disney for having special treatment from the government and then attacking that government, trying to use their power uh, to, to go to bat against a, a, a government that has treated them Pretty kindly over the years, of course, Disney is the biggest employer at least in central Florida uh, so you know th- there's been some some mutual benefits both ways uh, but still, I think DeSantis's point remains now the interesting piece here, and this is the last thing I'll say before I'll get y'all y'all's opinions on it is the Reedy Creek Improvement District, there is another law uh, that says that if the district is dissolved, that the the outstanding debt would be passed to the next de facto county, which would be Orange County in Florida. Uh, so Disney is saying, you know, if you dissolve this, you're passing off this great deal of debt. It's millions and millions in debt, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in debt that you're passing off to Florida taxpayers uh, and that would be wrong right now we're self we're self-funded uh, we we operate autonomously uh, our our tax burden is not on the the citizenry but if you dissolve this district it would be placed on the citizenry uh, so disney is is trying to figure out okay do we have a legal battle here uh, do we want to go to bat against the government yet again uh, this time to protect the district so we'll see what happens right now the date uh, for the dissolution is june 1st of 2023 Mm. yeah and it seems
0: like this may be i mean at least there's some dissension among republican ranks uh, about people how they feel about this move you i saw a lot Mm -hmm. of people responding saying like you already got the leg up in this when when they came after don't say gay um you know we've talked about that being misnamed and everything but um but the point is they he seemed to have come out ahead on that if you would call Mm -hmm. that a you know, a win quote unquote politically. And then, then there's this, I, I think there's some concern about, well, the the democratic party in a lot of instances controls the levers of society on a lot of fronts. And do we really want to validate um, political retaliations? If indeed that's what this was. And so, uh, I don't know. I think it's a dangerous road to go down.
1: Yeah, and I think part of the challenge is that everybody on the right is starting to fight like people on the left have, right? And so you have – and it's been successful. You bully people into submission, and and until they listen, you just destroy them. And I think that – I'm not necessarily saying that this is an example of that, but I do think that that generally complicates how these responses happen. At the end of the day, DeSantis is either the most brilliant strategist, and they have mapped this out, and they know exactly where it's going – Or it's going to be one of the worst moves he's made that could really sink (laughs) him. So I don't, I would have to imagine it's the former in light of how he's performed in other areas, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And and look, if
0: if he has presidential aspirations, he has to tread very carefully because the press already is out to get him. Uh, I saw a piece talking about, I forget what it was in, but they were already trying to make the case that he's more dangerous than President Trump. And we all know the exaggerations that the press went into on President Trump. For all of for all the things President Trump may or may not have done well or did wrong, um, the press clearly exaggerated and and was a little bit hyperbolic, not a little bit, a lot hyperbolic when it came to discussing the threat of Trump. And so now they have to for them to have to lay the groundwork that DeSantis is even more dangerous than the last guy, how dangerous we said he was, uh, they're gonna have to do some real um you know he'd have to trip up really trip up to basically help them make that case so i just think given that all eyes are on him if he indeed is angling to run for 2024 he's just gonna have to he's just gonna have to really run a tight ship and i'm not sure that this really helps his cause but like you said maybe he's got a plan there i don't know well there's not as much
1: source material with him Right. I mean, and I think that's the it makes it a little harder for the media to do that. But I guess if the people creating speech codes based on the book 1984 (laughs) want to come forward and try to do that, like that's that's the hard part. Right. You're sort of it's kettle or pot at that point, but they do have all the control of the media. So I'll be interested to see hopefully. He walks a tightrope on that and can rein himself in.
2: Yeah. it'll be, I mean, we I should know before we move on. So Disney is saying that they, that nearly $1 billion is going to be passed on to taxpayers. DeSantis, though, for his part, is saying that that would never happen. He said that's fiction. All of that is going to stay with Reedy Creek, even if it's no longer getting special treatment. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's It's interesting.
1: All right. Well, that brings us to our last story, which unfortunately is not uplifting. It's a little disturbing, more than a little disturbing. It's a lot disturbing. Uh, Basically, we've got Tyra Banks. You know, she's the host of Dancing with the Stars. She's a supermodel. She's been around forever. She is executive producing a new six-episode series for Discovery Plus, and it's called Generation Drag. Now, the show drops June 1st, and again, it's six episodes. It'll feature five teenagers, so five young people, and their families as they prepare to partake in a drag show. And, gosh, there's so many bizarre details here, but there's actually a trailer that we have over at Faithwire that you can watch um, if you want to, and and I would recommend watching it so we understand exactly what this is. Mm. Um, Just to give you a sense, Discovery Plus put out on April 26th a statement, and here's just part of the title. It says, Five Teenagers Prepare for Their Biggest Drag Performance. And Discovery Plus goes on to explain that they're part of Dragatante. It's a drag show designed as a platform for LGBTQ teenagers to express themselves. And when you go to the website for this event, there's a tagline that actually reads, Drag for Kids. And so that's what this is. This is a drag for kids, not only show, but it's based on an organization that provides these quote unquote opportunities to parents and kids. And what's so interesting is the framing of this. Most of the outlets covering it, they're calling it inspiring. Discovery itself called it inspiring. They said that viewers will have the chance to see, quote, teens juggle the pressures of being young adults while pursuing drag greatness. And then there's a whole description we have. I won't, I won't read it to you, but of all the different participants in this, who they are, what their personas are, one of them performs as a, a performer named Pop-Tart. And you can go down the line. There's a whole bunch of, of details in this. Uh, that are worth looking at. And again, the trailer, I found it very telling that Discovery Plus turned off the YouTube comments on the trailer on YouTube. Um, you know, probably because they know that people are going to respond to this and the responses are going to be harsh. Um, as, for, as for Tyra Banks, she praised the teenagers who are depicted in the show. She said she has admiration and respect for them, that they are bravely navigating, coming into their own in a world that can be very challenging and not always accepting. she talked about how beautiful she thought it was that the parents and siblings were supporting them. Um, And that she quote, can't wait for these popping personalities to show their fierceness to the world. Okay. So why does it matter? It matters because this is sort of the latest move now to normalize this, right? It was drag drag queen story hour. Everybody was freaking out. It was, we've gone down the line. Now we're actually providing TV shows, showing these young people engaging in this. It's, not only being normalized it's being praised by every outlet that's covering it and this is really i think a mirror that we could all look at to see the culture that we have allowed to be mm-hmm. created so there's a, there's a lot more to say here I'll throw it to you guys but yeah. it's a little shocking
0: i i i'm what i mentioned earlier when we were talking about the perception and shaping of things I, I, that is what i'm most disturbed about because if you watch that trailer which i mean fair warning if you do it's it's difficult to get through because it's essentially sexualization of kids, and um, so that's disturbing. But the 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 framing is what just blows my mind. It's it's this soaring music, you know, think the most inspirational movie of overcoming that you can imagine, and the and mo- the music, and the hero shots, and all of that. And they're they're applying it to this, and it, it's almost unbelievable to watch. It, it really is because it's so disturbing. And, and I think of uh, you know the Bible verse talking about how you know good is evil and evil they're celebrating good and or you know mm-hmm. evil is good you know what I'm, I'm I'm butchering that but you know what I mean um, that that we're witnessing that we are witnessing that right now and um, I, I'm not even sure how you combat that level of lostness you know it's uh, it's
2: crazy yeah I mean this is clearly a a celebration of sin and it's yes um it, it it seems particularly egregious when it's targeted at children right yeah. because it's they they have a they have a lack of awareness that as adults certainly should have an awareness of and adults are the ones that are producing this content they're the ones that are pushing this content endorsing it uh, and 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 you know foisting it on children so i you yeah. know i think it's just layers of <laughs> egregiousness yeah. Here, That I think, and I'm saying this just as much for myself as anybody who's listening, we have to be careful not to become desensitized to this kind of stuff. We should always be outraged by it. It doesn't mean that we need to be constantly walking around angry, but we need to be aware, and particularly if we have kids in our lives or we have even guarding our own hearts, be careful what you choose to watch and certainly be careful what you allow your kids to watch because it's easy to kind of compartmentalize and think, well, I'm just watching this because it's entertaining. But a lot of this stuff, a lot of this thinking, it weasels weasels its way into your mind and Satan can use it as a foothold. And certainly if you are a teenager or a child watching this kind of stuff, you need to be Extra careful, and parents need to be incredibly careful to make sure that their kids are not watching this kind of stuff because it is, like I said, just a flat-out celebration of of things that are completely anathema to God's design. But none of these things are happening, guys. It's all being made up. it's all. It's all. You're just. Yeah,
0: it's slippery slope. But don't worry about that. We're not. We're not groomers. What are you talking about? And then here's videos on Discovery Plus of them throwing makeup on kids and letting them prance around on the stage sexually. The and, devil's busy. The devil is. is busy. He is. And, and I. And I'll just add too. I'm watching these parents in the clip, and the parents are, they're trying so hard to love their kids, and and they're, allowing this and and embracing it, and it's just, uh, you know, you you just, uh, my heart breaks for these parents and just how, wrong they are on this as far as trying to, do the right thing for their kids, and I'm watching them. It, it is like watching someone just walk right off a cliff. And you just want to you want to tell them oh, there's a cliff right in front of you. What are you doing? And you're watching these parents, and you know they love their kids, but and they're just trying to do what society is saying the right thing. Well, I need to love my kid. This this is who they are, and they're this way, and so we need to make them feel comfortable. And and it's just so sad that parents have lost the plot into what they're supposed to be doing with their kids, which is training them up, which is showing them what is good, what is evil, what is wicked, what is the way that God wants you to live. And they clearly don't have it. And it's it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. And our prayers definitely need to be with this country as it's going down this really, really dark path. So, Preach. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's it. We'll leave it there on a Friday. And um, I will just say one last thing, guys. One positive note is uh, Malik Willis, the um, high prospect for the NFL draft. He did not get drafted yesterday. But he's been outspoken about his faith, and he just he just tweeted after he didn't get drafted that, hey, this is all part of the process. I'm still thankful. I'm still praising God in the midst of this. So good for him. We'll leave that on that positive note. Have a great weekend. See you back here Monday, Lord willing, and the Creek Don't Rise.